Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and my co-host, Fred Byes here. How do you say hello. hey? How are you? <laughs> hey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, the Canadian thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't get it. What did you say? <laughs> no, hey. never mind. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Charnoff is also with us. He's going to be coming up in a, in a minute or two. But first, we have to hear our good news story from Fred. Please take it away. Yeah. So today it's Global Goal number three. And Ooh. it's health and well-being. And I want you guys to meet the tattoo art tattoo artist. Making mm. the breast cancer survivors feel whole. That's right. His name is Vinnie Myers, and uh, he's known for his tattoo artistry, but now he's a legend in breast cancer circles for what has become his exclusive specialty, inking arellas and nipples so, re- so realistic they seem like genuine articles. And, you know, get this. It's very important because about 231,800 women uh, this year will be diagnosed with breast cancer, and a portion of them will will end up having mastectomies. And women who undergo breast reconstruction often get permanent coloring applied to, to, to where the nipples would be, but they have long complained that the flat off-color results are unrealistic. So, you know, Vinny uh, combines shadowing and highlighting techniques in the right variations of color, of color, and uh, Myers creates the illusion of protrusions from flat surfaces. So he's a genius in his field, really. Wow. Does he, <laughs> did he see how much he charges? Yeah, around 600 bucks. Okay. For the, uh, I have it, uh, well, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's around uh, 600 bucks, if I'm not mistaken. And he's really a laid-back dude, apparently, a really, really laid-back guy, and he's just... Apparently, or just That's a smooth fantastic. guy. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody wants to feel like they have their breasts. And coming on Monday, one of the authors from my from my new book, um, the uh, I bared my chest.com, talking about bare chest, uh, we're doing a video. And, and Diane Lang, one of the authors who had a mastectomy, she actually bears her chest in a video to show everybody. And so it's it's pretty prophetic and, and, and interesting that, you know, today we, we chose Vinnie Myers as our kind of good news story, uh, doing what he's doing. I think that'd be fantastic. And right. you know, these guys are amazing, these tattoos. And I love that tattoo artists who actually do, um, Vinnie does the nipples and stuff, but I love when they like do really beautiful artwork across the chest so you don't even you know realize that anything's gone it's, it's so cool yeah oh yeah oh, it's yeah. so cool well okay. thank you for that fred i really appreciate that global goal number three and you know longtime listeners new listeners we try to have a story that we align with the united nations global goals every week and uh, we support them and this is the year of the woman so it's a perfect perfect story for today let's welcome our guest ryan Tarnoff. he is a socialpreneur 
my favorite kind of entrepreneur, and he is the co-founder of Giftfluence, a technology startup whose platform enables charities to raise money through online shopping and searching. Ryan's responsible for developing the cause marketing opportunities between major brands and the over 800,000 nonprofits who are always looking for funding. Let's welcome Ryan, and we can find out more about him and what he does from the from from the horse himself. <laughs> Hi, thank you guys for having the me. The horse's mouth. Yeah, the horse's mouth. Hi, Ryan. It's so great to have you, and I'm really just so happy to meet you. Thanks thank for you. coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. This is a really great opportunity, and it's a really great idea. Now, you took entrepreneurship in in university, I think, and. Uh, you know, you've you've done a lot of things around nonprofits with Money Think and Junior Achievement. What is it about Giftfluence that, like, where did the idea come from? How did it come up? What yeah, made you yeah, go there? It, it was uh, it was a long time coming, to be honest. So I uh, I always knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. Um, and at the time, um, out of school, I was doing consulting, um, but I, I kind of envisioned myself as being, you know, more of an entrepreneur, but I knew in order for me to actually leave my day job, I would have to do something I was really passionate about. Um, so this started more actually as a side project than as a full-time business. Um, around a year ago, I was running a half marathon in support of a local charity. And they set us up with a traditional crowdfunding page. So they asked us to send out to our friends and family members and social media, um, you know, our page and ask for support. Um, and that was all, you know, fine and well. But I noticed that there were a lot of people uh, around my age who were just out of school who, you know, would like it on social media or would comment on it but wouldn't necessarily uh, be able to give back. So mm -hmm. I started... Um, you know, asking some of my friends, you know, why that was. And um, I realized that a lot of people just out of school due to, you know, student debt or other financial restrictions just don't have the ability to give back even though they want to. So it really started um, more as kind of a side project trying to see if I could get online retailers to donate a portion of their sales to charity um, through the holiday season of 2015. And as we kind of tested out that platform and got our friends and family using it, it actually grew into something uh, a lot bigger. So you can you can shop at your favorite stores. You can go to Nordstrom's or Patagonia or Payless or Walmart or Bloomies, and you can shop online. And by doing that, um, and at the same time you're doing that, you get to choose the charity of your choice. So let's say I was to choose Mercy Ships because I, I, I do paint. I, I'm an artist and I paint for Mercy Ships and I paint for surgery. So let's say I was going to choose that. It's my charity. So I would choose Mercy Ships Canada and then I would go shopping at Nordstrom's and purchase whatever it is that I want. And approximately, and I guess all of these people have a little different percentage that they give, but let's say on average, 6% is given uh, to the charity of your choice. Is that correct? Is that how it works? Correct. Yeah. It's on average, it's 6% and it, uh, you know, differs by each retailer. And then when we search for items through your search engine, they also donate one cent. Sure. So our search engine, um, you can actually not just search for items, but you can really search for anything. So that's a partnership with Yahoo. Oh, okay. allows, yeah, it allows you to search the internet the same way you would uh, Google or Yahoo or a typical search engine. And anytime that you search online, a portion of the advertising revenue is donated to your favorite charity. 
Oh, so wow. you would have a toolbar that we could download and they'd start your search from that toolbar and it would automatically donate that money when I search? Yeah. So on Google Chrome, you can set it as your automatic search engine for your toolbar. So anything that you type in to the top bar on Chrome will automatically run through our search engine. Um, on other um, uh, on other uh, internet platforms, you could uh, either set it as your homepage or go directly uh, through our search engine by bookmarking it. And so when does it matter how many times a day I search or was it once a day they'll, they'll donate? Um, no, so it's based on um, it, it's not based on uh, kind of a daily restriction. Um, the advertising revenue is gener generated on a per search basis. So that means every time you search, it will lead to a donation. Um, wow. that being, yeah, that being said, there's, you know, safeguards in place to make sure that you aren't just typing, um, you know, things that, uh, you know, aren't relevant or that you're just kind of abusing the system. So you, right. you use it like you would a normal uh, search engine. What, what is what is the app? Because you mentioned on, in Chrome, what is the app for people oh, out there? So no, it's called uh, giftfluence.com slash slash search. So if you go to our website, you just click on the search button and it automatically, um, you can search from there. You can also, um, we have instructions on our website as to how you can set it as your custom uh, search engine on your uh, Google Chrome right. platform. Okay. I love that. I love that. And you, you have a goal that you want to um, be able to donate a million dollars to charities in 2016. And I also have that goal. We should talk after. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but you've got um, over 70 retailers signed up. Now, how did you go about getting those retailers? What, what made it interesting to them to give money? Yeah, this has been actually a really eye-opening experience for me because when we first started it, I was really just trying to get, you know, my foot in the door and learn more informationally from some of these retailers about whether they'd be interested in this. Um, but it actually happened really quickly. So I would, you know, meet with retailers or send them emails. Um, and from their perspective, um, not only is it kind of a, a cheaper way to market because mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, paying per click or, you know, paying for, you know, ad impressions that might not lead to a sale, you're only paying on a, you know, per sale basis. Uh, but it's also a way to kind of do good in the community and improve their brand. So we've actually been surprised that a lot of retailers uh, already have things like this built into their budget, um, sometimes not even for the, you know, corporate social responsibility side, just, uh, you know, for the... Um, for the kind of marketing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely got to be cheaper for them than right. just people hitting and going, mm, I don't know if I want something, you know, you're actually getting a sale. So that's, that's pretty impressive and interesting that, you know, uh, you got your foot right in the door and they, and they welcomed you with open arms. That's fantastic. Good for you. Yeah. I think we've been, we've been really surprised by, uh, you know, how great a lot of our corporate partners have been. Um, so that's been, um, you know, something that we've learned and something we've been really excited about how kind of quickly they'll sign up and how willing they are to, you know, give a percentage of their revenue to these great organizations. Now, you say that because um, I do have Amazon Smile and <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's pretty fun. I like that. But you say that you actually give 12 times more than Amazon Smile. Yeah, so Amazon Smile, uh, which is a, a great program, does a lot of good. Um, they give one half of 1% 1 
to mm-hmm. charity. So in order to give a dollar, you have to spend two hundred dollars um, on their site. Um, since we work directly with the retailers, we actually give an average of six percent. So your average purchase is going to make you know twelve times the impact than you would spending on Amazon Smile. I like that. I like that. I like that. Do you shop a lot online, Fred? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, now more than ever. Yeah, of course. I shop only online. Really? Do you? Yeah. No, I don't always shop. Yeah, I go to I local love it. stores. Well, I, I grocery shop at local stores, but I hate yeah. shopping in the stores. I just love to sit at my computer, Why? and I can oh. watch TV with my iPad, and I go click, click, click. Like I just sent a crib out to, you know, our son. They're having a baby next week, and oh, I'll just send that off to uh, Alberta, and I'll, I'll send this here, and I'll send that there, and it's great that you know, with with Ryan saying, but we're going to commercial, so we'll be right back. <laughs> if you have any questions, speak about them, and then you can let us know when we get back. Heck no, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can with Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. Mondays at noon central, Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living. With your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Back pain can really be a bother. Men's Health Magazine states that 80% of all men suffer from back pain. One of the best things you can do to ward off lower back problems is strengthen your abdominal muscles. 75% of all lower back problems can be prevented by building your ab muscles. When your abs are weak, The muscles in your buttocks and the back of your legs, your hamstrings, have to work harder to keep your spine stable. One of the easiest abdominal exercises is crunches. Keep your low back on the floor at all times. Squeeze your abdominals as you crunch up and lower slowly in a controlled manner. You can do several sets of crunches every day to strengthen your abs and beat back pain. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back. Welcome back, and thanks for coming back. If you want to join the conversation, 903-787-5883. Again, 903-787-5883. We'd love for you to give us a shout. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. My co-host, Fred Bai, is here. And we have Ryan Charnoff, who is a socialpreneur, co-founder of Giftfluence. Ryan, i got to ask you this, Ryan. i got to yeah. ask you this. What, what is a socialpreneur versus an entrepreneur? Yeah, so <laughs> a, a socialpreneur is uh, really an entrepreneur who creates businesses with a social component to it. Um, so like the good radio. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> instead of just you know trying to maximize profits, you're trying to maximize profits while also maximizing the good that you do in the world. 
So basically, you're like a positively oriented business. Like your social impact. Yeah, social impact. Yeah. yeah. So part of your proceeds go to donating and making things better in the world. Correct. Okay. Those corporate responsibility officers that you were writing to, those are companies that have social impact. They're socialpreneurs. And that's, you know, uh, the world needs more socialpreneurs for sure. Well, I mean, okay. But I mean, you ask any business, they'll say that they do, they enhance the world in some way. You ask Walmart, they'll say, well, we enhance the world in some way. No. Well, no. (laughs) I'm sure if you ask them, you know what I mean? Like, because they provide jobs, they, they, they sell things at a lower price. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know like, what you mean, but this is specifically like it. you're going to give money to a charity or like okay. a Tom Shoes or, um, you know, somebody who, who has a specific program uh, to, you know, bore water holes some, in Borneo or something like that. Did you read, did you read the mission. book Social Cap- Capitalists, Ryan? I have not read that yet. That's on my list. Though. I've got a list of books that I'm uh, trying to get through when I have time. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, what's been the most challenging thing, Ryan, uh, in building this? Because, uh, you know, it's like building a business. So it's, I'm sure you have a lot of challenges doing that. Yeah, I think um, I, I was surprised coming into this. You know, we, we wrote this business plan and we thought that the hard part was going to be getting retailers on board. And the easy part would be getting the word out there, getting charities to promote it. And in reality, <laughs> the, the two have kind of flipped. Yeah. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we uh, kind of achieved our goals on the retailer side in terms of getting you know, the retailers that we wanted and the critical mass of retailers a lot quicker than we thought. But getting the charities to actually promote it and push it out and create communications uh, with their followers has been a little more of a challenge than we might have anticipated. Yeah, the charities are, you know, uh, cash poor and and volunteer poor. I think it makes it makes it difficult for for them, and and there's not the skill level that you would expect necessarily to do the marketing, and that's why a lot of the, the smaller ones suffer. And you know, that's my goal is to get them on this show too, to try to get their name out there, um, and do that. Have you met uh, Carol Lung from Great Positive? Uh, I have not. not okay, yet. look her up. Great okay. positive. Anyway, uh, uh, I wanted to ask you though, but you are a co-founder, so who is who is your partner? We haven't heard about them. Yeah, so uh, my partner is Muhammad Abuwad. He uh, was actually a high school friend of mine, um, and he originally handled um, some of the kind of technological um, sides to it as we were mm-hmm. trying to kind of get up and running. Um, and now, uh, although I'm a full-time employee, he works on it part-time doing some of the kind of finances and the behind-the-scenes things that help us operate smoothly. You know, we, we all have our favorite charities. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think for Frankie, it's animals. Yeah. <laughs> you can handle animal cruelty. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for me, I think it's more uh, maybe poverty or something. What's your favorite, Ryan? You know, what's your favorite charity? What's your favorite cause? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, uh, to pick just one. But I think an area that I've always cared about a lot is uh, education and specifically financial literacy. Um, mm. So when I was 
Yeah, when I was in college, um, I did a lot of work with a group called Money Think, and I was so surprised um, how much of an impact it can make to teach students, starting you know anywhere from elementary school through high school, the importance of saving and going to college and kind of preparing themselves for the college process. It's amazing the impact that you can have. What, what, uh, what did you see? What did you see that people? didn't have you know what i mean like how ignorant you know what i mean like what what did you see that shocked that shocked you that had an impact on you it's like oh my god a lot of yeah. people don't know this yeah i think uh the most surprising thing i guess the two most surprising things would be one is there's so many kind of scholarships and opportunities available that go unused so it's amazing how many schools are looking to you know recruit a diverse group of students and have scholarships available for students and the students either you know don't know about them or, or don't apply um so i was just kind of surprised by that disconnect um Yeah, I, I was surprised about that, too. I mean, there's hundreds of scholarships that, that people, you know, it's like you have a cousin with one arm, you can get money. I mean, like, it's really that, that, that silly, but people do <laughs> okay. put up money for stuff like that. And, and if you go through a list of that, you can, you can find that. But, of course, you can go to college, university in Europe for free, which is mm -hmm. beautiful. And, and now in Canada, they, this year, this, this is the first year, they're, um, now they're allowing, you know, students to go and they're going to forgive uh, those student loans. And yet, you know, all the kids that went before them, I have one kid who's still paying off a $35,000, you know, loan for school. And, you know, you're starting at 23 or 24 years old, your, your, um, your life with this big, huge debt on your back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. It actually kind of leads me into the second thing that I thought was interesting, which is um, so many students who have not grown up in environments where family members or friends or colleagues go to college um, just are way behind kind of the eight ball and are at a huge disadvantage uh, when it comes to not just figuring out you know, the application process and navigating kind of that whole process, but also figuring out how to pay for college, how to succeed in college. Um, you're really at a disadvantage if you kind of are going to college without thinking of what you're majoring in, how you're going to pay for it. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to have your whole life set in front of you, but just some simple kind of planning that you can do and really kind of figuring out what it is that you're interested in uh, can make a big difference and can make a difference between, you know, someone having a successful time in college and not just by kind of knowing, you know, what they're going for and what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. But I mean, wh wh what, you know, uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned financial literacy. Mm -hmm. How do you, how did, how do you educate yourself on financial literacy and what do you think that people should know about it? Because I just feel like the general advice out there is not the best advice. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have to dig deeper a little bit when you when you get that advice. What? You understand my question? Or? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's really tough because um, one of the things that we've found and that actually research papers have kind of supported is that financial literacy is so different than any other type of kind of class. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you are taking a history class and you 
pass the history exam, you know, you can demonstrate that you know what happened in the past, um, and that's kind of shows that you understand the information. Uh, in financial literacy, there's a big kind of disconnect between people understanding, you know, the difference between interest rates and taking on credit and debt and the actions that they make. So what's difficult mm -hmm. is even when you kind of educate people on the issues with taking out, you know, credit cards with high interest rates or loans and, and that type of thing, uh, they still tend to make decisions that are not necessarily in their financial best interest. Um, but kind of back to your question, um, I think the to to simply put it, the the easiest thing to do is to um, kind of take away the stigma that a lot of people have when you start talking about finances. And what I mean by that is, you know, you you go into a high school classroom and you say, "I'm here to talk about financial literacy," and people's eyes just kind of roll. They tune you out and they think, you know, I'm not a finance person, so this isn't yeah. applicable to me. Or um, I don't have money. Right, exactly. <laughs> their brain, their brains gets blurry. Like their brains yeah. get because like, it sounds easy. like math. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Like... It sounds like either math uh -huh. or something that's not applicable to you, and it doesn't. You know, you lose people very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that, and you know, it shocks me that school, our school system, doesn't really have real financial education. You know, back yeah. when you know when I was eleven, you know, I remember this bank came into the school, but and we had our first account. But that's like to me. That's just grooming for future future clients. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not financial education. You know, we had and, a discussion on the weekend with one of the kids, and he says, "You know, I'm never going to have a credit card. I I don't want any debt. I'm not going to, you know, just going to buy everything with cash." And you know, can you go through life without a credit card? Well, you, you need to build a credit. You know. You need to. Well, do you need to build credit? Do well, you? Yeah. I mean, that's the question. Do you? Well, yeah, if you want you to buy a, a house money? or well, get a mortgage. What if, what if you put $100,000 down on your house? Okay. Do you need a credit sure, card? You can pay it back. No, you can pay cash. Okay, pay cash. I mean, I think I think that you do need a credit card. Just you don't have to use your credit card. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't you know, really you have to use, use one. But at the same time, I think, you know, I understand where he's coming from. He doesn't want to ever have debt. But my husband's never paid interest on a credit card ever. So, I mean, I think you can do both things. But, it's you know, the understanding of how the world works and finances Is, is kind of interesting. But I want to go back to Gifluence because that's why Ryan's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you, Ryan, do you have a, a demographic? Um, yeah, so really, you know, anyone who's shopping or searching online can, can use our platform. Um, that being said, the two kind of uh, demographics that have been most successful or that have used it the most, um, the first are, you know, millennials, kind of college age or just out of college students. Um, and the reason for that is because uh, just with being, you know, technologically savvy and kind of willing to try new things and socially conscious, uh, you know, they buy a lot of things online. And they really expect retailers to, you know, give back as they're doing so. So that's been uh, a really great demographic for us. The other has been kind of the generation above that. So a lot of parents, um, especially parents with students um, who might be in college or who might live in another city or state, um, who are kind of the decision makers in the household because they tend to do a lot of the purchasing um, and they also tend to kind of be sending, you know, gifts and holiday shopping. And all of that. So those are the the two demographics that we've seen being the most kind of successful let, in our. Let, let me ask you this: Millennials mm -hmm. are often seen as perceived as uh, narcissistic, you know, social media uh, addicted, you know, selfies addicted people. 
Um, That's so be addicted. Are are millennials giving? I mean, what do you see? What are you seeing? Yeah, so what what we're seeing is, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of different different, uh, opinions on, you know, how millennials uh, operate and what they are. But what we're seeing is millennials uh, really kind of demand that the retailers they shop for have a social side. So we're seeing a lot of people who are, you know, excited about giving back, who want to make a difference, and who use some of those things like social media to actually, you know, let it be known that they're making a difference. So for us, it's it's all been a, a positive in terms of millennials. We're going to a commercial break. We're going to come right back. And when we get back, oh, they already took us off. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Does your attitude need a lift? Does your mood need a boost? Well then, it's time for a good workout. Exercise is a remedy for a bad mood, like aspirin is for a headache. Weight Watchers reports that exercise decreases the body's levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and contributes to depression. The endorphins that you produce when you exercise can lift your spirits and put you in a good mood. Exercise can act as an antidepressant drug because it produces feel-good neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. Let the benefits of exercise give you a lift and put you in a good mood. I think it's safe to say we all would appreciate it. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear more fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's marching have you ever found yourself in an airplane seated next to a non-stop talker that you really don't have anything at all in common with? When I fly, I usually want to catch up on my reading and not have to listen to an explatterator. It's even worse if they're a philodox. That's a person who just loves their own opinion. Well, now a Facebook app lets you choose your own seatmate before you fly. According to an article in USA Today, social media startups are bringing together compatible flyers before they take their seats. That's good news for people lovers, otherwise known as philodemics. A number of apps such as Plainly and Satisfy are helping travelers meet not only online, but in person. Think the Match.com of travel. I love flying and have been to almost as many places as my luggage. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're coming back. And we're back. It's Frankie Sensenmore. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. We're here with Fred Bai. We're here with Ryan Charnoff, who is the co-founder for Gifluence. And Brent Marchand is with us as well, the Good Radio Network's movie correspondent. And just before we get to Brent, I have a couple more questions for Ryan about Gifluence. And and they kind of go hand in hand in a way, Ryan. Mm -hmm. One is, was there a surprise as far as a charity that more people pick more often than others for you? Um, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a surprise with that. Um, we have had a few charities that have done a really good job of promoting it with you know, their own followers. So uh, here in Chicago, there's an organization called Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have been with us since the beginning. So 
last year, um, right before the holiday season, um, they tweeted out a link and made a Facebook message. And within a week, uh, they earned, I think it was about $150 in a week just from holiday shopping. So that really kind of, you know, shocked me and let me know the, the impact of kind of what just a few smart, you know, messages can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about stores? Were there stores that um, people maybe didn't well, maybe you wouldn't know who they shopped with before, but more people tend to gravitate to since they're on your site. Is there any surprises there? Um, I don't know if it's been extremely surprising, but the uh, the most popular stores have been Macy's and, and Nordstrom um, for kind of traditional retail. Mm-hmm. Um, for kind of other um, aspects of retail, there's been a lot of Groupon purchases. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, which, which makes sense, but that's actually been a very... Um, very cool thing because uh, not only are we helping give back, we're also helping kind of our, our users save money. So what is your, your um, I guess, usership up to? Do you know around? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it varies, um, mm-hmm. but it's in the kind of low thousands right now. Okay. So we have a so- few thousand, uh, th- thousand shoppers, and hopefully through the holiday season, we'll grow that number even more. And, yeah. And- and w- which uh, states are the most giving? Yeah. Um, we'll see. So I- I'm originally from um, Texas, so a lot of my supporters have been from Texas because it's been a lot of friends and family. Um, we're based in Chicago, so we've had a lot of Chicago and Illinois residents. Um, but right now, those have been kind of the, the two big ones. We've had a good amount um, come from California as well. Um, but it's pretty spread out uh, nationally besides that. And are oh, there Fred? We got to got to bring Brent on for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. So, speaking of Chicago, our resident, the Good Radio Network's movie correspondent, Brent Marchand, is with us, and he is with us for a special show because uh, we have a little more time for him. So, we are going to be talking about anesthesia. We're going to be talking about the teacher, which is, I think, a Ukrainian uh, movie. And uh, Brent, help me out here. What's the other one we're going to talk about? Where's our Brent? <laughs> Did we lose Brent again, Karina? Hang on here a second. Uh, he's coming. Uh, he's coming. Ask your question. Yeah, yeah. No, I was <laughs> okay. just going to oh, say. Oh, keep talking. Jesus. Okay, go uh, ahead. I was, I was just going to say, are nonprofits held back in ways that for profits are not? You know. Um, yeah, to an extent they are. So, um, one of the kind of difficulties um, that nonprofits face is, you know, marketing. So. A for-profit can kind of take on uh, more of an investment and can really invest time and resource resources into areas that nonprofits either can't or don't want to because it looks bad uh, to be spending a lot of money on maybe an investment that a for-profit would. So there's some ways that nonprofits are held back, um, but we're always trying to create new and exciting ways for them to get the most out of their limited resources. Thank uh-huh. you. Brent's right. with us. Brent, hi. Okay, how are you? You're supposed to be with us. <laughs> <laughs> I have never had this problem with Brent before. He's on a phone. He's not on Skype. What happened, Karina? Where is he? I think he's with us. He said, uh, Brent Marshall. Who are you? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so. Well, he may be. Are you on mute? Hello. There he, yeah. there he is. Yes. Hi. 
Hey. <laughs> Technical glitches Hi, there. Hi, How are Hello. you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me back on the show. Oh, it's Fabulous. our pleasure. Good to see you. Good to hear from you, I should say. Um, we have our guest here is Ryan Charnoff. I don't know if you've been listening and, and hear, heard him, but he is also from Chicago and, oh, and interested to hear about the film festival that you're going to tell us about later today. But let's, let's start with uh, the movies that you have for us this week. Well, uh, currently in playing in theaters right now, um, one of the movies that's probably one of the more important releases of the award season is The Birth of a Nation. Uh, this is a movie that's received a lot of uh, pre-release buzz because uh, it's been considered uh, a, a pretty strong contender for some of the major awards coming up this year. It's a retelling of the story of the Nat Turner Slave Rebellion from the uh, 1830s, and it's really quite powerful in terms of um, explaining how it came about. And it's a, it's a parable also, I think, for today in many ways, given the, the current polarization in society, not just um, from the racial standpoint, but also from anybody who's at you know, polar ends of the, uh, of the spectrum today, whether you're talking politically or economically or so forth. Um, when people get pushed to the point where they're in a corner and feel they don't have any way to uh, combat their circumstances, they start fighting back, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the results of that can be pretty devastating. So it's something that, you know, it's a cautionary tale, I think, in many ways for us these days, in addition to, you know, giving us this historical uh, recreation of the events. Mm-hmm. And great acting in that movie. It really was. I mean, uh, uh, Nat, um, Nate Parker, who wrote, directed, and starred in the movie, was an absolute re- revelation in my book because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that he's done prior to this, it was really a case where, you know, the, the movies he had been in were showcasing his physique more than his talent. <laughs> in this case, uh, <laughs> uh, this, this has really given him an opportunity to break out and show what he's capable of, and, and I was just amazed at, at seeing uh, how much he poured into the part from so many different angles and did all of them so well as he did. I agree. I agree. Great movie. What's next? Uh, another one that I uh, have seen recently is a movie called Denial, which is uh, based on a true story uh, of a professor, Deborah Lipscott, who um, wrote a book about uh, Holocaust denial. And in the course of writing the book, she ended up taking on some of her critics, including a professor who claimed that the Holocaust never occurred. Um, And uh, she ended up being sued by him because uh, she claimed that he defamed him. And uh, Mm -hmm. um, he brought the case, interestingly enough, uh, in the English courts, where the standard for libel is different than it is in the U.S. Uh, In the U.S., um, the onus of the proof is on the um, plaintiff, but in the courts of England, um, the onus is on the defendant to defend themselves. Um, So she was essentially having to defend the fact that uh, the, the Holocaust took place and, um, to, you know, Hard to believe to, that you have to defend that. Yeah, it really is. I mean, <laughs> and, and the thing that was, you know, when he was presenting his case in terms of trying to say how it didn't happen, the, the contentions that he made were just so utterly ludicrous that it, it's hard to believe that anybody would have taken him seriously. But, you know, he did have his supporters. He, he had uh, people from the skinhead community and so forth who, who saw him as a tool of their political agenda. And as a result, um, you know, he was getting a fair amount of backing from fringe groups. Um, 
the whole thing was a huge firestorm. Uh, she ended up having to go to court. And in, in terms of the way the case played out, it was really more a case of using forensics rather than emotion to have to show, um, wow. you know, how to make her case. Yeah. Um, which, what, you know, what, was... What's the underlying theme in that movie? Is it freedom, love... Well, I would say it's it's truth more than anything else. I mean, you know, uh, you're free, you're as one of the um, as the judge in the case ruled, you're free to believe anything you want to believe. But you know, when when you've got the facts stacked against you, um, you know, you have to go with what is literally plain, evident, and true. And um, you know, you, you can't sue somebody else on the basis just because you disagree with them. Right. How would you describe how would you describe the main characters? Like, you know, are they uh, ordinary people like you and I? I mean, how would you how would you describe them? Well, Rachel well, the, Weiss. Uh, <laughs> Mary well, the, James um, Bond. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the main character, who, uh, the author who is being sued, she was a university professor. Uh, she came from a Jewish background herself, so this is something that was personal for her. Um, and in terms of her uh, her detractor. Uh, I think he was somebody who was, you know, looking to make a name for himself as much as anything, um, stirring by stirring up a controversy sort of artificially, um, and like I said, making very spurious claims to say, "Oh yes, this is this is what I believe, and this is why it's true," and so on and so forth. Mm. Now, the, the one the one criticism I had of the movie is that um, it's a little bit clinical in its approach. Um, now, I understand that because the case had to be proven on the basis of forensics rather than emotion, that that was mm -hmm. probably something that would figure into the story. But given the volatile nature of the subject yeah. matter, I didn't quite feel as drawn into the story as I might have otherwise. Now, there, there is one sequence where the, um, the professor and her legal team do make a visit to Auschwitz. Um, mm -hmm. to gather evidence to help bolster their case. And that sequence was really very moving. Mm -hmm. uh, but beyond that, um, as I say, it's a little bit on the clinical side. It's still a good movie. It's got some wonderful performances in it. Uh, Rachel Weisz, uh, Timothy Spall, and uh, Tom Wilkinson in the leads. Are, they're terrific. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ryan, did you see that movie? Uh, no, I, I did not yet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I... Are the Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, are there any, I mean, there must be any faith themes connection, you know, faith connections. Are there any religious connections, you know, in that movie? How, how is faith treated there? It's, um, it, I won't say it's ignored, but it's not a really, uh, really uh, strong theme in the movie. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, because you have Catholics, you have homosexuals, you have, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other groups, major groups that right. were targeted uh, during the Holocaust. Uh, True. And, and last week, you know, I had um, Felice Cohen was on, and, and she, wrote, she wrote a book called What Papa Told Me. And it's a true story of her 94-year-old grandfather who was an aide of the camps as a laborer. So it's pretty, I mean, you know, you can read a true story. <laughs> Another true story of the Holocaust. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Does the world of the, film, of the film work like the real world? You know? Uh, in mean, what respect? This is a true story. This is a true story. Oh, yeah. oh, it's, oh okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. It, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Like a road break, I think. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So what's our next movie? Uh, I, so I, you would say what would you give it on the tomato meter here? 
Uh, I would give it probably about seven. Okay. Seven out of ten. Okay. Okay. Cool. So it's worth going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're at break. That one got me by surprise. It's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show. Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners, who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and, of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, linkedinlady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on allbusinessradionetwork.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. It's words you never heard. Whenever we hear a recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's Frankie Sense and more, and the gang's all here. We're here with Brent and Ryan and Fred. So Brent is taking us to the movies, and uh, he just told us that the Chicago Film Festival ended today, and he saw 12 movies in 10 days, which is very exciting. I can't wait to hear about all the movies. But next up, we are going to Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar something. Miss <laughs> uh, Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Children. Uh, I knew that's the... Yes, the latest release from director Tim Burton, who is known for doing wild, outlandish visuals and crazy stories um, in movies like Alice in Wonderland and Big Fish. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is a story about a teenager who who unwittingly unwittingly gets drawn into investigating the mysterious death of his grandfather and ends up um, being catapulted across time through a series of adventures involving unusual children with unusual gifts, um, going through alternate dimensions and facing strange villains, and it's just a, a wild, fun romp all the way around. Um, it's um, not necessarily something I'd recommend for younger, more sensitive viewers, because some of the characters in it are a bit on the macabre side at times, um, but it's, um, it's also very funny, it's also got uh, a lot of great special effects and visuals, and... Um, Certainly uh, something for people who want something a little bit out of the ordinary. 
Yeah. How, how did it make you feel? How did the movie, you know, any, at the end? Oh, I felt, you know, um, you know, very, very uplifted by it. And the fact that, uh, okay. uh, you end up coming away from it saying it's, it's a, a movie that celebrates, um, you know, t taking charge and uh, claim of your own power. Um, especially if you find that you're somebody who's maybe a little bit unusual or peculiar, as they call them in the movie, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and not being afraid to celebrate your own, um, your own character. Right. And to, so, and to what extent wait. did it, did it fit, well, okay, to what extent did it fit your expectations? Uh, well, I always have uh, <laughs> I always have a lot of interesting expectations going into see Tim Burton's movies because they're so creative. Yeah. Um, this one was a little bit. There were there were some spots where it dragged a little bit. The, the story seemed to get maybe a little more complicated than it needed to. But overall, I would say that it's a, a fun visual romp and uh, lots of really funny lines in it. Particularly uh, by Samuel L. Jackson, who plays the principal villain in the movie. He's just hysterical in some of the scenes in this. So Robert Redford's in this movie? Uh, no, Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, and, but no, no. Um... Tim Burton's ex, uh, Helena Bonham Carter, she's not in it. Yeah, she's in it. Oh, is she in it? Oh, oh okay. Sorry, it would, it would be a movie it. without her in it. I'm sorry, yeah. no, she's not in this one. No, I thought that's, yeah, that's probably the first one. Without, without giving away the ending, I mean, is it, is it a type of ending where everything is, is resolved? Or is it an ending that surprised you, you know? I wouldn't say it necessarily surprised me. Things do get resolved, but it also, I think, leaves things open for a sequel, too, possibly. Okay. Right, yeah. Oh, okay, next movie. Uh, next movie is a, a little-known gem that I just recently discovered on DVD. It's a movie called Anesthesia. Mm -hmm. And um, this is a movie that's done sort of in the same tradition of movies like uh, Crash or Disconnect or Grand Canyon, where you have a series of uh, seemingly disparate stories that end up getting interwoven together. Mm -hmm. uh, in this particular case, it focuses on um, uh, a popular New York philosophy professor who's on the verge of retirement, and a number of people in his life or in his circle or who are not initially in his circle but get drawn into it uh, through their various interconnections. And he has a very positive outlook on life um, after many years of, you know, soul searching and, you know, dealing with the uh, difficulties of urban living. Um, but he's come to have a very, you know, very philosophical outlook on life. And he's dealing with a number of other characters who um, are facing difficulties of their own and essentially are looking to anesthetize themselves in one way or another, be it with with drugs or with drinking or with escape into uh, um, different forms of um, ways of trying to convince themselves that they're alive even. And um, they all end up in one way or another coming into contact with a professor who helps to you know, set them on a different path of themselves. Oh, and I, it's really uh, a surprisingly interesting little-known movie that I'm, I was a little bit surprised it didn't get more recognition than it did. But I you think know it's, what? It's definitely... I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, and they gave it a 4.9. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't well-liked, but you know what? You and I kind of like the same kind of movies. But I, I wanted to ask Ryan. Ryan, have you thought about going to the movies as far as, you know, getting them on board with, with your Gifluence? 
Um, yeah, so we would love to. We actually have Fandango right now um, as Great. a yeah. So anytime you are uh, you know booking a ticket through Fandango, um, I believe they give a flat rate of seven cents per ticket. Um, so. Nice. If you go, you said that you go to about two a weekend. Um, yeah. you know, that, that can add up over time to some meaningful donations. Yeah, it'd be nice, though, if you could get like a Cineplex or somebody, like every moviegoer everywhere in the country. Yeah, yeah that, would be, that would be great. That's always uh, something for us to, to look towards. Maybe with Adam, you know. Do you have Adam in the States? A-T-O-M? Um, not, not in Chicago um, okay. that I know of, but maybe. Okay. It's an app that, that we have here in Canada, and, and like you can pre-order your movie and your and your treats and whatever. And so by the time you get there, it's all put aside for you and ready to go in. And oh, got it. Yeah, so that'd be fun. I'm gonna use that. Could, you have it? I love it. Oh, I'm gonna Adam. Okay. Adam. Yeah. Okay, Brent. So the um, as you mentioned, uh, one of the things I've been occupied with for the past two weeks has been attending the Chicago Film Festival. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just wrapping up today. It's a wonderful program. They feature uh, over 140 movies, feature-length movies, in different genres, uh, from comedy to documentaries to drama and so forth. And um, it's a wonderful event to get to see some things that might not necessarily make it into the public otherwise. Um, one of the purposes of having a, a program like this for the people who are uh, the backers is they, they come and try to, to shop their films for distributors if they don't already have one. Some of them come away very successful. Others, unfortunately, don't. But it gives viewers, at least in the meantime, a chance to see pictures that they might not other, otherwise mm-hmm. see. What was your um, favorite one? Uh, my favorite one was The Teacher, which is a movie that was a co-production from um, uh, Slovakia and the Czech Republic. Uh, it's a story about a, a, a grade school teacher who's also a, a low-level Communist Party member in Czechoslovakia in the early 80s, and uh, how she uses her position of authority to get her way by essentially intimidating her students and her parents, saying, wow. uh, if you want your kid to get good grades, you'll you know, get me free cakes this weekend or something like that. <laughs> and uh, she's very, very conniving and very manipulative in terms of the way she goes about it. But the one thing that she doesn't bank on is that uh, the students and the parents ending, ending up talking to one another about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she, does, yeah, she ends up getting confronted by the people who are angry at her for you know, trying to manipulate things like this. And it's, it's an interesting story about um, people taking back their sense of personal power, even under very you know, oppressive circumstances and even under people who try to really you know, manipulate things to their own benefit in a self-serving way. How so? I mean, uh, taking the power against oppressive circumstances. Well, like this. Well, I mean, you know, the party in in Czechoslovakia and all the Iron Curtain countries at that time, you know, they really had kind of an iron fist over over their people, and people were very afraid to speak up. They were afraid to express themselves. It was easier to kind of like put your head down and not complain. But in this case, they didn't. They they decided to say, "Hey, this is not right. We need to do yeah. something about this." Wow. You're really fortunate to get, um, you know, well, Toronto Toronto Film Festival. I'm sure we'll get these same kind of movies. But you always get the movies in your regular movie theater before I do, and so it's always like, "Oh, I got to go see that movie now." Brent just saw it. So good. He's he's ahead of me. <laughs> I just feel jealous of you. It's, you know, it's interesting when you live in a big city like this, you get a little bit of a skewed perspective, too, because not only do they come here earlier, but they also leave sooner. 
as yeah. well. And, um, you know, when uh, I start talking like about something that um, may be brand new someplace else, it may have come and gone from here already. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know we'll get we'll get the teacher at, and it'll be well. I'm not in Toronto. I'm outside, so uh, we'll get the teacher. But it'll come to an obscure movie theater and it'll play at ten o'clock at night or something. You know, <laughs> at a time you don't want to go. Or and, and so it's always you know you get them, but you you don't get them like they're not convenient. You know, <laughs> but, it's interesting uh, from the, you know from years of attending. Um, you're, you're fortunate somewhere in Canada in the fact that I think your distributors up there are a little more open-minded than in the states. <laughs> Um, when I've Why? gone to the, uh, well, we'll get more think, foreign film, probably. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah. When I've gone to the festival in the past years, and I've seen some things, and they have a lot of questions that usually comes up with the Q and A sessions at the end is, is this going to be distributed in the U S. And a lot of the directors and producers will end up saying, unfortunately, no, we're not. We've been picked up in say 40 other countries in Europe and Canada and you know the Far East and so yeah. forth, but, but not in the states. And because um, they know, won't sit and read a movie. Unfortunately, they just won't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. And, and Very sad because they miss out on such great movies. Well, we've got two minutes left on the show, and I want to make sure that Ryan gets his information out first, and then we'll come back to, to Brent. So, Ryan, uh, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Giftfluence is a wonderful idea and, you know, just brilliant. Can you give everybody your, your web address? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Um, and if you guys want to learn more, go to giftfluence.com, www.giftfluence.com. Awesome. It's a wonderful idea. And, and I, I'm, you know, definitely going to download your tool, your tool um, and, and start using the search engine so that you know, money can go. Money can go to the charities of my choice. And I like that, that I get to choose where my money goes. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do they get uh, tax write-offs for that? Um, no. So the the individual uh, does not get tax. Not the individual. But oh, I'm wondering the, if the store does. Um, no. So actually, right now, the way that the uh, revenue flows is it flows through us um, and then to the charity. So we actually uh, get the write-off. Nice. Good. You deserve it. <laughs> uh, we got one minute left in the show. Uh, Brent, as usual, thank you so much for coming on. You are always so welcome, and, and we just love to hear about the entertainment that's out there for us. And Fred as well, thank you for co-hosting the show today. And Karina, thank you for producing the show today. So thank you. Thank, you. thank yous all around. <laughs> uh, any last-minute words, anybody? Ryan, we'll, we'll give it to you. Um, no, just uh, you know, use giftfluence.com and our uh, shopping platform. Um, with the holidays coming up, you can really make an impact uh, on a lot of people's lives. Perfect. Thank you. I guess we're out of time. Awesome. Uh, again, we'll see you next week, everybody. Take care wherever you are in the world. We love you. And we'll All be right. back soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye Turn the world